This morning and uh, know that our God is on the throne and that everything is under control and that he's got it in his hands. Shalom, shalom, peace and good morning, he is on the throne,
let's just sing that with no musicians this time. Just believe with all your heart. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Yeah. 
this morning brother Ron if you would just come up and pray for these requests uh, we just want to remember the Morliers they are out of town and uh, we just want to remember them and uh, let's just remember brother Jaron he is not here today because he is on call for his work we also would like to remember the Pascals this morning they are working today and could not be here uh, let's also remember Brother Tom and the wards. He has his knee surgery this Tuesday, so just remember him. They also had to stay home because of COVID being tested for it since he has that surgery, so we'll just remember them. Just remember the drums. They are not here with us today. Uh, if you all would, just remember uh, Sister Sarah, my mother. She is at home. She has uh, some very bad back pain she is dealing with. She is been dealing with this for a long time, so if you all would just pray for her as well. And also, if you would just uh, remember Sister Amber, she has a special request for her daughter, Shannon. And uh, if you all would just remember me as well, I have a special unspoken request with school. And uh, that is all our request. If you have an unspoken prayer request, just lift it up with a raise of your hand. And Brother Ron, if you would just come up. day, this morning. Heavenly Father, we just ask you for your grace and mercy as we hear your word. We just ask you to touch these prayer requests and be with them and guide them, guide them, dear Lord. We just thank you for so much you have given us and watching over us through these crazy times. And we just ask you to bless the ones that were able to make it and the ones that weren't able to. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Brother Ron. You may have your seats. 
have a card here. Open it up real quick. It is a card from uh, Sister Amber. It says, our thanks to you. And the note inside said, it says, thank you, my brothers and sisters, for your prayers and your thoughtfulness during this time of need. You all are such a blessing to me and my family. We thank you with such appreciation of your giving. Thank you. And the card itself says, with warm thanks, grateful hearts, and deep appreciation for your thoughtfulness. From Sister Amber. I asked Dad if he had a special, and then he sprung it on me. He said, we have a special, so... I'll uh, ask him to come at this time, and uh, Ashley, if you would come up as well. I like that even when I'm not leading, I can still get them. I trust everyone is doing well, in spite of all the chaos that we're living in, and and everything that's going on, um, it's still a, a joy to know that we got a, a source that we can go to. Um, I was just thinking as he was singing that song, he set me free. You know, they talk. You hear people talk about freedom all the time, but you don't know freedom, real freedom, until you know Him. And I can tell you that if you know Him. Like I know him, you'll have that real freedom. I trust this will be a blessing. He's been requested that we do this song.
just sing that song, It Is Well. When peace like a river attended my way When sorrows like
again and sing it with all you've got. Oh, now for quick as Brother Barry comes. Uh, the song Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost
shall always be our song of praise. I believe, Lord, it is the song that we hear most in our hearts, Lord, when we first began. And, Lord, I believe when we enter through the portals of heaven, I believe we'll sing the same thing. That it was not us. It was not anything, Lord, that we did. But it was just your amazing grace that brought it all to pass. Father, we thank you for that grace so much. And now we ask that you would just come and, Lord, take the balance of this service. We've already sensed your presence here. But, Lord, now I pray just quicken the word to our hearts. And, Lord, just be very real to each and every one. Lord, we have lists of prayer requests and different petitions that are given by your people. But I know there are requests, Lord, that are upon the hearts of your people today that don't always make it onto paper. But they're just as real. And they're just as important, Lord. And I pray now that you would just bind all those requests as well. And, Father, look into the depths of our hearts and hear our cry. And, Father, just speak to each one, I pray, and bring healing where it's needed. Lord, bring guidance and leadership and pour oil upon the troubled waters that we might enter into your peace. Have your way, Lord, we pray. We just commit the day into your hands now, Lord, and ask that you would bless those that are in attendance today and those that are listening by way of the Internet. Father, just take complete control, I pray, Lord. I submit my spirit to you. Lord, I've prepared and thought about these things and prayed. And Lord, I just the best thing I can do is just give it all to you now. Just bundle it all up and lay it at the foot of the cross and just ask that you would just come and speak to us today. Lord, I I just know that we are a people, Lord, who are very needy, but I just also know that we're a people who are very much in love with you. And I thank you, Lord, for your presence today. Speak to us. We give you the time asking forgiveness for our failures. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning. Thank you, musicians. We appreciate that. Thank you, Brother Mitchell, uh, for filling in this morning, and uh, just appreciate that very much. All right. I have a lot of hay on my fork, and so we just want to do a couple of things this morning. Everybody happy to be in the house of the Lord? And uh, we uh, appreciate all of you being here, appreciate our guests and visitors. Uh, Good to have all of you here. Caleb, good to have you here this morning. And... uh, we know you're always out there online, but uh, good to have you in person this morning. And uh, each and every one, may God bless you. We certainly miss the folks that are not here. Uh, Brother Matt is away today, ministering in uh, Florida, and uh, we miss him today. Also as well, uh, we want to remember Brother Julian Ivy. Brother Julian had uh, surgery done on his nose and face, and uh, he's recovering today. He's listening and uh, I was just chatting with him this morning, and we uh, pray that he has a complete and quick recovery. Uh, one of the caretakers for Brother Fulcher 
uh, had a, um, she has a son who lives in Richmond, Virginia, and he had uh, a surgery and had a complication due to that surgery, was rushed into an emergency setting on Saturday night, Friday night, and uh, they asked us to remember uh, them in prayer. His name is Daniel Ripley, and so if you'd remember him. Sister Caroline Jackson is not here today. Sister Caroline is still undergoing some testing. She has a tough time in the mornings and still dealing with the abdominal intestinal issues, and so we just want to really uh, hold her up before the Lord. She's been through some real uh, tough days, and so we just pray that God would bless her. Brother Reagan texted me this morning, and he asked me to remember Erica. Uh, He said, bring it to your church if you don't mind. He said they're doing a scan this week to see the effectiveness of the chemotherapy that she's been taking. And uh, he was just uh, asking if we could remember her in prayer, that the Lord would um, just uh, give her that touch that she needs and a good report. We uh, also, too, we've been missing Sister Tracy Rabin. And uh, I talked with her last night, and I did not know, but Sister Tracy Rabin had uh, contracted the virus. She uh, was in a setting where she was exposed to that and had a really tough time with the virus. Then got back on her feet again and contracted it a second time. And she's past that danger point now, and she went and had it confirmed with her doctors and so forth and actually did contract it the second time. And uh, so she's doing better. Uh, she, had, uh, she still has problems with a cough, and uh, so if you talk to her, uh, and that's why she's not at church today. She, she knows she's out of that period but still has a lingering cough. And, of course, today if you cough or sneeze in public, you know, uh, we know what happens. So uh, we would uh, ask you to remember Sister Tracy. She really appreciates people reaching out to her and uh, praying for her. And, and uh, I just I didn't know all the details. And then finally last night got a hold of her and uh, wanted to uh, ask you to remember that in prayer if you don't mind. Now, <clears throat> uh, in our church, we, don't, uh, we, uh, we want to remember the... Folks that have birthdays this week, October 28th, is Matt and Melody Cross's anniversary. Now, they're here. I know the Crosses are here. How many years, Sister Melody? 14 years. Really? Wonderful. We appreciate the Crosses. And uh, Lena Martin, that's uh, Sister Karen's granddaughter. And uh, Lena is a special uh, little girl. She came up the last time we had a dinner, Christmas dinner last year. I, th- I think it was or a year before. She came up and she gave me a big hug. And uh, I thought that was nice. And Sister Karen told me afterwards, she said she'd been saving up about six months and said, when we have our dinner, I'm going to give Brother Barry a hug. And she, she saved that up. So she's a special girl. That's just, that's just the way it is. Uh, Brother David, how old are you, Brother David? Is that the truth? I was going to say, you don't look a day over 33. God bless you, Brother David. On the 30th of October, uh, Brother David celebrates his birthday as well. God bless you. We appreciate the Stevenses. Now, uh, we don't generally do things uh, really fast uh, in our church, uh, and sometimes being conservative is good. Uh, and in this case, we were a little extra conservative in giving Brother David uh, a period, to, uh, a, a trial period, if you like, as a, as a deacon. I, how many years has it been, <laughs> Brother David? 
<clears throat> uh, since we first put Brother David forward as a candidate for being a deacon. And uh, we, have a, a, we are really blessed with a wonderful team of deacons and their wives, and they're hardworking. We are equally blessed with a wonderful team of trustees and their wives and the work that they do. And uh, we appreciate uh, their uh, particular labors. And being a deacon these days is not uh, always the easiest job for sure. Uh, in the church with all the, like I think Brother Ron said, all the crazy times that we live in. And so I, I've come to rely on our deacons a great deal and, and to uh, learn to work with them. And I appreciate their not only their dedication, but their candor as well. I can assure you these deacons and trustees that we have are not yes men. Uh, they are men who think and uh, speak respectfully and uh, have very much the concern of the body at heart. And, and that's a great thing. So you have great representation uh, in the halls of Congress here. So uh, we appreciate our deacons very much. But most of us uh, know Brother David very well. And uh, he has been serving in the position of a, a deacon uh, here for a long time. And uh, we appreciate him and Sister Missy and all that they, Sister Carrie, and all the work that they do, not only here, but also in Virginia as well. Uh, with me there, and uh, they're great uh, workers, great friends, and, and we appreciate them very much. So, as the process uh, uh, dictates, uh, and this is the way Brother Branham did it in his own church, and he said, uh, it matters not what a person's social standing is. He said, it doesn't matter what a person's financial standing is. He said, it matters only about the character of that person. And their faithfulness. And he said uh, he wouldn't hesitate to nominate any man that has uh, character and integrity uh, in a position of deacon. He said, regardless of what they do and, uh, you know, their background and so forth. And uh, I have found Brother David to be a man of integrity and uh, dedication to the cause and faithfulness and uh, working here. And so we would like to take a vote and we're going to bow our heads and raise our hands all in favor of putting Brother David forward as a deacon in our church, please raise your hand. Any opposed, please raise your hand. Brother Tom and Sister Kim just raised their hands. God bless you, Brother David. We have a unanimous uh, approval here. I would like for our deacons, if you don't mind, to come forward. You brothers, if you would just come forth here this morning, and uh, we're going to have a word of prayer over Brother David. If you would come on, Brother David, and... <clears throat> Let's join our hearts together here. Brother Andy, you come here. Now, we don't have Brother Tom. Uh, he's here in spirit, and um, he certainly uh, appreciates Brother David as well. But if you don't mind, join me. We'd just like to pray for uh, <clears throat> God's blessing uh, upon things that we do here. And uh, Brother David is a um, certainly responsible part of the team, and uh, we just want to ask God's blessing upon him. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this moment that we finally come to uh, agree together uh, in the placement of Brother David. And we, we have seen, Lord, his life and his work and his dedication to the cause. And now in the name of Jesus Christ, we ask your blessing, Lord, upon his life and his wife and family, Lord. And Father, they've just been a real example of the faith and a representation of the church. And I thank you for that, Lord, and pray that you would just now watch over him, Lord, and uh, just I pray all that he sets his hand to do, that you would bless it, Lord. We thank you for all these that labor in our church and uh, all those, Lord, who have been so faithful at their post of duty 
And now we just commit the church, the body, Lord, and all those that serve into your hands. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And amen. Thank you, Brother David. Thank you, Sister Carrie. And may God bless you richly. All right. I'm going to have you turn in your Bible uh, to the Scripture. And we're going to go to Exodus, the ninth chapter. Why don't we stand just in respect to the Word of the Lord and uh, read there this morning. Exodus, chapter 9. Are you ready to have church? All right. Appreciate Brother Mitchell stepping in there this morning and uh, taking the song service for us. <clears throat> Exodus, the ninth chapter. And uh, I'd just like to read this one verse. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve him, serve me. May the Lord add his blessing. You may be seated this morning. <clears throat> Now let me give you a little preamble that is a, uh, an, an effective summary, I think, of what we want to say today. And this will be four or five screens here that are a couple of key statements that Brother Branham made. And the first one, <clears throat> kind of, we don't really need to go very, very much further than the first line here. And Brother Branham, in the message, planting the vine and where to plant it. Planting the vine and where to plant it. He likens Israel to a vine or a tree. <clears throat> and he says, he refers to Psalms 80 and uh, talks about how David refers to Israel there as a tree or as a planting and uh, describes them. We'll, we'll look at that in just a brief moment here. But he says, God's people in Egypt. God's people in Egypt. And when you stop and think about those four words, there are four important words when it comes to this whole idea of an exodus, God's people in Egypt. They're God's people, number one, but they're in the wrong place. So they need to move. They need to get from where they are to where they need to be. And that's what an exodus is for, to get God's people where they need to be. They are still God's people, and they are still uh, very much under the watchful eye of Almighty God, but they're in the wrong place. So therefore, they're never really going to come to the full place or the full blessing that God has for them because they're not in their right place. Now, this is not a conversation about blame. We're not finding fault with Israel here because everyone who's born at that particular time, everyone who's alive at that particular time in the land of Goshen was not there by choice, right? We're talking, we're talking hundreds of years past Jacob and the decisions he made to get down into Egypt and Joseph and all the other things that happened there. Hey, they, this, is not, this is not coincidence that they're there and neither is it anyone's fault who's alive at that time that they're in Egypt, but they're in Egypt, and that's not God's place. So you have God's people not in God's place, and he's got a place for them. He's got, a, he's got a right place for them where they can really bloom and fulfill and produce everything that God has intended, but it's not where they are now. So they've got to move. They've got to go, right? 
And that's what an exodus is, is the process of moving the right people to the right place. Somebody say amen. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about this great and final exodus here uh, in this subject that we've been dealing with, is to get the right people to the right place and dealing with the oppositions, uh, the opposition that goes along with getting to that right place and the process that God uses. Now, <clears throat> let me just uh, flip over to Psalm 80 just for a moment. You could take time to look at the whole chapter, but watch what David says. Thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt. Thou hast cast out the heathen and planted it, and thou preparest before it, and didst cause it to take deep root, and it filled the land. He's talking about Israel, isn't he? And he's describing Israel as a great tree, as a great planting, and a planting that is blessed and has deep roots and has great branches. And he describes it in detail as you read down through it. The hills were covered with the shadow of it, and the boughs thereof were godly cedars. She sent out her boughs unto the sea and her branches unto the river. That's the way it should be. That's where they need to be, and that's where it should be, uh, is in God's, God's land. And when they're there, when they're planted there, they grow into something great. And so Brother Branham's sermon is all about planting the right vine, but also where to plant it. You see the point? And he, he wants to make sure that Israel uh, knows that they are the right people, and they are the, the, the object of God's desire to get planted so they can produce. But as he says in the sermon here, they've got to be in that right place. Let's read a little bit uh, further. They were a good vine. They were God's chosen. But if a good vine isn't set in good ground, it will not bring forth good fruits. It will not bring forth good fruits. It matters where you go to church. It matters where you are. You're not going to produce the right fruits in a bar. You're not going to produce the right fruits if you work seven days a week. Right? It matters where you're planted. It matters where you are. And he says, it depends on where the vine is planted will determine the results of the crop. So God picks up Israel out of a barren ground, and it's something like today. So now we have this great sentence, that uh, little phrase that Brother Branham uses when he takes a lesson from the Old Testament, and then he connects it to our time and to our cause when he says, it's something like today. Or he says, it's like God's people today. And many times he'll use that little phrase, and it just connects us here. So there's something we can learn from this first exodus in terms of how this great and final one is unfolding here. He says, we got many that are in the land, fine believers mixed all up in denominational churches, and they come from different denominations and different walks of life. And I have never tried any time to run down any certain person or denomination because in them all is good people and they are God's called and God's chosen people. So he's, he's liking this now. He brings it up to our time and this is not, this is not complicated for us or we need to dwell a lot on the particulars here. Uh, we, we know that when God found us, we were all in different places and in different systems and different uh, belief systems and uh, so forth. Some of us were in the world and uh, different, different uh, areas of life. 
Now, you got to remember, Brother Branham is in 1959 here, and he's describing, uh, you know, this, this whole move of God that's taken place in the 50s and 60s where uh, there's a sound that's going out. There's a ministry that's going out, and, and the ministry has a message in particular, uh, and the message is, uh, part of the message is, come out of her, my people which is similar to the first exodus, right? Come out of her, my people. So they're all mixed in there in those, in those systems. So rather than rooting it all up, uh, like in the parable in John chapter 13, where, uh, you know, Jesus is giving the parable and the sower goes forth and then the bad sower goes forth and sows it. And they said, well, it shall be rooted up. And Jesus said, no, leave it alone. The good men said, no, let it alone. Let them both grow together until the harvest. So in, in a certain season, God will separate it all. But Brother Bam's acknowledging the fact that there are good people in lots of different locations, different churches, uh, different backgrounds, denominations, and so forth. And God knows how to get them all. God knows how to pull them all out. Our circumstance is slightly different now today in the sense that, uh, you know, really all of us are the result of that plucking. And we're all out of denominations. I hope you are as well in your mind. Uh, because you don't need to be in a Baptist church to be in a denomination. You can be in a you can be in a denomination between your two ears, right? And uh, when you put periods behind things and you refuse, you know, to move on with God and all the rest of it, you can denominate yourself. But nonetheless, uh, we've been called out now, and and uh, so we're not coming out of denominations, but we haven't arrived yet, right? We haven't arrived at at our destination. We we've made some steps, and thank God for the steps. Thank God for the awareness that we are God's people, and, and thank God for His grace in, in reaching out to us uh, when we would never even knew we were members of the Bride of Christ. We never knew we were predestinated uh, unto this uh, election and this adoption in the last day. We never knew anything about that, right? And, and we were subject to all the different ideas in the world and all the different uh, theories. I was listening to somebody the other day. It was a, I wasn't listening. I was reading. There was a, 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 an article uh, somewhere, and I was reading it just very briefly because the person's name was so well known. And they were talking about Revelation chapter 10. Well, you know, that gets my attention, right? Whenever you see Revelation 10, it kind of, whoa. And uh, I was thinking the other day, forgive me here for... for but my mind is all over the place here this morning. So I, I was going through the line at Chick-fil-A the other day. <laughs> and uh, uh, I had, there, was, uh, there was probably 16 people at the house, you know, grandkids and everything else. And so I said to my wife, out of the goodness of my heart, I said, hey, I'm going to, why don't I pick up lunch and uh, bring it home, save everybody cooking at home. So they, they, all, the, all the mothers, all, my, my wife and all the daughters-in-law, and I heard a rumor that today is mother-in-law day. I'm just saying. It's mother-in-law day. Sister Laura, cash in. All right? Now, I, so I said, all right, I'll go to Chick-fil-A. So I went in there, and I was in the lineup. So I, I made this order. Hey, listen, we're talking about, uh, we're talking about a, an order with a capital O. I mean, it's a big order. And you know what it's like to be in the lineup at Chick-fil-A? It stretches 20 to 30 miles away from the store, and everybody's in the lineup and watching when their time comes to move ahead two feet. And you know how it is, right? And uh, air traffic controllers are interested in Chick-fil-A lineups. And, and uh, so I was going through the lineup with a woman, and she's walking along with me because you don't want to stop. And she's walking along with me, and she's putting everything in her, in her iPad and, 
And uh, just as soon as we almost get done, she says, well, have you got your app we can scan? I said, what app? She said, points. You can get points. Now, when points, the word points comes to me, I hear that. Uh, I light up. Right? I, I mean, that's just, that's just me. I, if they're, if they're going to do that and, and make me a silver, I, she said, hey, buddy, you'll be a gold. If you, if you get this. I said, I don't have an app. And uh, how do you get an app? She said, well, download it. Now, I got probably five or 6,000 people behind me. And she's standing there. And I so immediately, get download the app, fill out my name, password, uh, you know, secret question. Who's your best friend in high school? And all the rest of it. And finally, get it, bang, shoot, scan, bang. And she was right. I got, I got a lot of points on that particular order. And so now, hey, listen, if you folks are interested, I'll take you all to, to Chick-fil-A after church. I re- really. Oh, it's not open today. Oh, wow. My, my heart lights up when it comes to, to certain things. And I, so I was reading, and, and this Revelation 10 comes up. And this, this fellow... Uh, very well known. You'd all know him if I mentioned his name, and, and I'm not at all being critical, but he had an, he had an understanding of Revelation chapter 10, so he's explaining 10.1. And I saw a mighty angel stand on, on, the, on the earth, one foot upon the sea, one foot upon the land. Well, I was very interested to see where he's going to go with this, because you've got to remember, and the reason I'm saying this is because all of us would be subject to all kinds of teachings and all kinds of ideas and understandings out there, theories, about things, uh, unless God had predestinated us to come to where we are, right? So I, I'm going a long way around about to say that. But he, he said, one foot is upon the sea. Well, he said, that has to be the Mediterranean. Has to be the Mediterranean Sea. And that, therefore, the foot on land has to be Israel. Now, just think about this for a moment here. If that's true, if that's true, and he's standing, if that was Christ, and you believe that, and Christ is standing on the soil of Israel, then God's not dealing with Jews and Gentiles at the same time. Right? Biblically, God's not dealing with Jews and Gentiles at the same time. Right? I'm, listen, think about it now. You remember when the Gentile woman came to Jesus and said, my daughter is sick at home, would you say something? He said, no, hey, the dogs are not even worthy, you know, to have the crumbs off the master's table. Remember that? Because she was a Gentile, and she had no part with the Jews here. And uh, Jesus essentially was turned away from her, but because of her answer, then she, she, he showed mercy to that woman there. But Jews and Gentiles were not in the same covenant, and they were not in the same place in terms of being dealt with by God at the same time. And so if that was Christ standing on the land of Israel, let me tell you something, this message then really would be of no effect. Because the message comes to Revelation 10.7, which is a voice, right, in the last day, in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin the sound. So in other words, if you take that scripture and you apply it to Israel, then the message doesn't apply to us, it would apply to the Jews. So it may seem like a small matter of interpretation, but the consequences are very big. Because the prophet comes along and goes to Revelation chapter 10 and says, 
That's, that's exactly our time. And it's not Israel in the Mediterranean Sea, but rather it's a foot upon land and upon the sea. And, and he talks about the people. He talks about America coming up and uh, all the other pieces that go together. He's putting the pieces of the puzzle together in a very different way than the rest of biblical scholars are putting it together. And the reason why is not because uh, Brother Branham is smarter than anybody else. He's actually picking it up from God and being like a microphone channeling that revelation to the bride of Christ that's on the earth. It's not a minor thing. It is actually a really big thing. And he said they're, they're called... And, and they're God's chosen people. Could you have condemned Israel while they were in Egypt? He said they were planted in Egypt. That's the way many people are in churches today. Good people just planted in the wrong place. And they can't bear fruit. They can't bear its fruit. They can't bear its fruit. A good healthy vine doesn't have to be sprayed. It's healthy enough to throw off its enemies. So it doesn't have to, to be that way. But it'll never come to the place where uh, it produces the right fruit and the right amount of fruit. So it is with a born-again Christian. You don't have to be spraying them all the time and patting them on the back. They're spiritually healthy enough to throw off all the scandals of the world. They are living off true nourishment. Praise God. I mentioned yesterday, if you read the update uh, that I sent out, that Brother Roger in, uh, in Wales, uh, talking about how that they've been shut down for months and months, you know, in relation to the, the, the virus and the restrictions over there are even more restrictive than over here. And he said they got back for one Sunday and then they shut it down again. But he said, you know, our rest is in Christ. Our rest is in Christ. And I would say this, and I say this very respectfully, if, if, let's just, let's just think worst case scenario. If something happened and we were not able to have church and everybody here fell away, everybody here went back to the world, everybody here went out to some Trinitarian kind of a church, you know what? I would say we never had what we thought we had in the first place. Because if we're only in this because we get to come to this building right here, or we have a, a, you know, a youth fellowship and a hot dog roasting and all of that, hey, which is all good and nothing wrong with that. And we enjoy our fellowship and all the other parts of it that go with it. But that's not why we're here. We're here because of Christ. We're here because God's got an order and He's got a way and He's got a word and we believe that and this is a part of that. But let me tell you, take this away and you still don't lose Christ because you're in union with Him. You're, you're connected with Him vitally. And let me tell you, if this whole world falls apart, including our rights to this property, then we are still the elect of God. We're still God's chosen people. But let me tell you this, that it's, it's, we're not, we're not talking about coming out of denominations so much anymore, although that's good if somebody is freed from whatever binds them. But I would say this, we're, even though we are God's people, we're still not in the right place. Because this is not, your body that you're sitting in this morning is not the right place. And this atmosphere, this world that we're living in, it's not the right place. There's a better place than this place right here. And God's got, a, God's got a destiny for the people of God, and we're not there yet. So we still have a little to do, and we still have a little work to do. Now, let me just give you a, the second quote here, and this is the future home. Brother Branham said uh, that when uh, he, he's talking about the earth and what it will go through and the future home of the earth, he says future home of the bride of Christ and, and the bridegroom. He said he used this word, the same word of loosing, when he said, loose the colt and let him go. And same thing at the resurrection of, of Lazarus. Loose him and, and change him. He's been tied. Let him go. And what does that mean? He said, the earth will be loose from the grip of Satan. Yeah, let me tell you, nobody came along before Jesus and was able to loose the, the hole of death on a person 
And Jesus was the one who was able to do it. Isn't that right? When he came to Lazarus' tomb and he said, death, you got to let him go. you got to let him come back. And Lazarus stands up on his feet here. He's a man who's able to uh, take those shackles of, of even death off a person. And he's able to stand on his two feet again. And he said, the earth will go through that process of being loosed from Satan's grip and all the perversion and the abominations and all the other things that go on in the earth here uh, to rape it of its, its resources and to uh, destroy it in the way it's being destroyed. I was telling somebody the other day that if you go to visit the city of Moscow it, 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 and you breathe the air in, in Moscow, it's the equivalent to smoking three cigarettes a day if, if you breathe the air in Moscow. That's just in a normal, normal routine. And so one day, the earth will be loosed from uh, the grip of Satan and all the other things that are out there to pollute it. And he says, it'll be loosed from politics, from denominational religious systems, to be used for the kingdom of God. The earth will be used for the kingdom of God, to be, estab- to be established here on the earth. And as long as it's in the hands of Satan and politics... Satan, the ruler of the earth, he owns it. It belonged to him because he got it from the Garden of Eden after the fall. And Adam forfeited his right to the earth and Satan took it. But he said, now Christ has redeemed it. Do you believe that? One time, Brother Bam goes right into this now, next paragraph here. He goes right into it and he says, one time I was his property, but not now. One time I was his property, and one time that little woman at the well was his property, but not now. And he came to loose the grip of it, and he loosed the grip of sin, of Satan upon my life and upon your life, and now we're not his. Glory to God. So we are God's people, and Satan has been forced to take his hands off our life, and we've been redeemed by blood, love divine and the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody ought to say amen. But remember now, this body and this earth still holds us, and one day he's going to say, loose him and let him go, and let him ascend into that body, into that place that he's meant to be. One day that's going to happen. So Brother Bram's typing this now to our journey here. And he said, have you heard me say in prayer, take your hands off God's property, have faith to claim your own, that's your rights, and take your hands off of her Faith will do it, not annihilate it, but just take your hands off it to loose it and let it go and pass it away. Listen, I'm just simple enough to believe that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe that if you make that prayer today in faith, believing that God is able to take those uh, bands of Satan off your life, no matter what it is, whether it's pornography or depression or uh, some sort of a habit that you have or whatever else, I believe that he's able to do that today. Come on, folks. Uh, somebody ought to say amen. Slap your neighbor and say, I believe that. Go ahead, Lincoln. Slap your neighbor and say, I believe that because I'm a believer. Now, the Bible tells us that the creature itself shall also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. This is future tense here. And he's saying this shall happen. There shall be a deliverance. There shall be a loosing. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And that's the times that we're living in. And now the world and nature is groaning, crying. Here's Brother Manum explaining that. 1960. Everything's moving. Everything is moving now in a direction. It hasn't always been moving. But now everything is moving towards a climax. Everything is moving towards a crossroads. Where things are going to change and they're going to change permanently. For the manifestation of the sons of God, when true sons, born sons, filled sons, speak their word, speak, and their word is backed. And I believe that we're on the border of it right now. How many of you believe that Brother Branham was the only one that had the authority and the right to be able to speak, and his word was backed up?
None of us believe that. Even though you, some of you said amen, none of us believe. We don't believe that Brother Branham was the only one that had that authority. We believe that we as sons and daughters of God, purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ and loosen the grip of Satan, we believe that we also have a right to be able to pray and enter into the throne room of God and bring our petitions before Him and claim our children and claim our rights and claim our freedom and the things that God has, has preserved for us through the deliverance that He brought on Calvary's cross. I believe that today. And I believe even while you're sitting right there in your seat, I believe that God can allow that to happen again in your life. You ought to be saying, Lord, Lord, just once more, I got a need. Or once more, I got a son or a daughter. Or once more, I got a grandchild. Or Lord, once more, I need that touch of God in my life. What have you got to lose? But here's another thing you need to know. The great march of the Antichrist has started. Oh, God, have mercy. Notice the year. 1948. So here's a prophet ahead of his time, and he's looking at things, and he's seeing how, how there's certain things on the move. There's certain things, uh, you know, rolling already, and it's rolling in an unstoppable way. This is not something that he's going to preach to a halt. Uh, this is what's got to happen. Uh, he says that there'll come a day when the sons of God, adopted sons of God, are going to be able to speak with authority. And he sees that. He says, I see it's on its road right now. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is the thing that God is doing. He's bringing his word to pass. And the great march of the Antichrist has already begun. If that's the case, then let me tell you, there have been seeds sown. There have been foundation pillars laid in order to build a platform upon which the Antichrist himself will stand upon this earth. Oh, God, have mercy, and I pray that none of you are here when that day comes. Because if you think uh, life is tough with the virus, and it is, you ain't seen nothing yet. God of this evil age. Here's Brother Branham at the end of his ministry now, 1965. It was Satan's ambition to be worshipped like God. And now he is ready with his educated bride of knowledge. He's ready. This is not, uh, we're, we're not talking about just, you know, looking at the beginning motion of it here. But now he's ready, smart, intellectual, educated. He said it's all heading up the whole world where he can stand and he wanted to be worshipped as God. I don't know if you knew, knew the headlines this morning, but uh, the Pope has appointed a, a, a man who's a colored man uh, who's an arch, uh, a bishop in uh, New York City and a very, very strong advocate for purity and righteousness in the Catholic Church and the, the Me Too movement and all the other movements. He nominated him as a cardinal this morning. And uh, there were 13, interestingly enough, there were 13 around the world who were nominated to be cardinals. And this fellow is a guy that you might want to just kind of jot his name down and remember it because he's in a very, very important uh, cardinal now in the Catholic Church. Just saying. This is not something that's starting to happen. This is not something that's beginning in the earth. This is stuff that has been building a long time. In the same way that now when you think about it, this message really has been talked about for a long time. Right? Yes, sir. I mean, come on, 400 years before Christ stood on the earth, God was referring to this message. I'll send, I'll send Elijah the prophet 
He'll come with a message to turn the hearts of the children back to the faith of the fathers, right? God was thinking about this a long time ago. And so this has not happened, you know, over this, uh, over 2020, folks. This is something that's been building a long time. And we're a part of a movement here. We are actually just the capstone of that movement uh, that has, has been building all the way since Paul said, I'm a wise master builder. And now it's been building all the way through there. And this is not the beginning. Rather, this is the ending. And so when Brother Branham says, on the contrary, because whatever God does, there's an anti-move as well. And so here we are living at the end of this thing. This is not something Satan's got. Whoa, I better do something here because the bride's really formed. And, uh, you know, there's, they, they got the message in all the languages of the earth. He's been thinking about this a long time before now. And the whole world, he said, it's all heading up into the person of the Antichrist, which has already crowned the vicar of God. Here he is again, 1965, children of disobedience. He said, at the Antichrist beginning there in the infancy of disobedience, what will it be when it heads up into the person of the Antichrist? How deceptive that'll be. How deceptive that'll be. How, how the world, you can kind of see how the world is being shaped to seek deliverance. Right? I mean, there's a lot of people in the world would pay a lot of good money to change the way things are. There's a lot of people who are pretty desperate out there to see somebody rise on the scene who could fix our world. Isn't that true? You can see how this attitude and this mindset is kind of being uh, pumped in or, it's you know, things are accumulating to where uh, you know, there's a lot of people saying, hey, listen, our fortunes are on the, on the edge. Uh, you know, we're losing this, we're losing that. I, I was, we, were, we, were at the, we were actually at the mall. The other night, my, my, my little family and I, we were out, uh, we went to the mall in Roanoke. Hadn't been there in years. And, and I was just amazed. I stood there. I said to Lucas, uh, I said, just look at where we were on the, on the upper part, the upstairs part of the mall. And we looked this way and looked that way. There was nobody there. Friday night, nobody there. And, and half the stores practically were boarded up. It looked like West Virginia. No offense to the Pascals here. It's, Mitchell said this morning. I mean, it was it was just it was kind of frightening to see, and and so there's a lot of there's a lot of people who are, you know, I, I think in, in a in a personal way, there's a lot of people who are affected by events in our time. But you know, you you start to crank that up and look at the bigger picture and how the how countries are so uh, interconnected and economies are so interconnected and and the supply chain and all the other things that are happening here. And and we're living in a world where I'll tell you, there's a lot of people who would like to see somebody step up to the plate and make some changes here. And you know what? The Antichrist is a he's a deceiver and he's a liar, but he's got power. If you read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he's got power and all signs and lying wonders and all the other things that are going on. And he's not afraid to make promises. He's not afraid to say things that people want to hear. Just like he did in the Garden of Eden when he said to Eve what, uh, what she wanted to hear. And, 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 you know, was convincing by the things that uh, he had said to her. And I will tell you something. Uh, you know, they, there's a lot of people that without having a discernment about things and without having the teaching that you've been privileged to have, they would easily buy into the wrong thing. Yes, sir. Easily buy into the wrong thing. Yes, sir. I can see how the mindset of the world has changed a little bit over these last few years. And Brother Bram said the market at Antichrist is to reject the Holy Spirit. But remember now, before these great disasters happen, God always gives a warning. So we're living in a time, listen, 
Not of fear for the bride of Christ, but for, of preparation. Can we handle that? God is preparing us to leave, not scaring us out of here. Are we okay with that? A lot of the world is governed by fear. A lot of, the, a lot of fear permeates decisions that are made by a lot of people. But I will tell you something. God is preparing the bride of Christ. And that's the difference. So God always gives a warning before judgment. He said now, God's loosening up the church everywhere, getting in an order so he can uh, get, get into the rapture, so he can get into the rapture, and got to give it rapturing faith before we go in the rapture. God's priority has been to give us a message that contains what we need. If we believe it, it would actually change our body. Let me say it again. Don't, don't, don't go away now. Stay right here. Deacons, lock the door and don't let my congregation go. God has been preparing to give us, through this message, what we have need of to get to where we need to go. i got news for you. God's not going to send another prophet. There's not going to be an eighth messenger come. I don't believe that uh, something's going to arise out of Jeffersonville that's going to, uh, you know, be powerful enough to change our body. I believe that what we have need of is already here. I believe God's going to turn the heat up. I believe he's going to quicken what we've got. And that, I believe, will become so much a part of us, it'll actually change our bodies and we'll be built up in the, in the most holy faith of the hour. I'll tell you what, I'm not looking for some individual. I'm not looking for some uh, great personality to rise up here. I'm not looking for one minister to outshine another one. I believe that it's Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He's the leading one. And He's the one that we should be looking for. And God's desire, God's motive has been to give us, and that's us, right? He's talking about. Do you believe that that's us? Got to give to, got to give it, that it is us. Say it this morning. I am it. I'm it. God wants to give it rapturing faith. I am it. Say it. I am it. And God's actually wanting to give it rapturing faith before it can go in the rapture. I believe that's what's going on right now. Slap your neighbor and say amen there. Now every word is true. I may not have faith to make every word of it act, but I certainly won't stand in the way of anybody that did have that faith. Enoch had faith enough one day to take an afternoon stroll with God. He just kept on walking and walked home. Now I think the church has got to come to that. Church has got to come to that. We are so disconnected with the world around you that you're able to go out and think about having a stroll with God. Hey, listen, Enoch did it looking up there at the size of that ark. We are witnesses of how big that ark actually was. We've been there, seen it, done that. And and that completed ark was a symbol of pending judgment, right? Enoch knew that. Noah knew that. That when this ark is complete, the only thing God... Hey, God doesn't build uh, his his, uh, places of escape for naught. If God had Noah build an ark and so effectively fashion it so that it would would withstand the storms that were coming and preach that message for 120 years, let me tell you, there had to be judgment coming somewhere. Somehow or another, there had to be judgment coming if God had Noah to build that. And here's Noah saying that, and here's Enoch observing that, and he's standing there. But yet, the the language that Brother Branham uses here is that Enoch's on the stroll with God. 
He's not panicking and he's not, uh, he's not, he's not, uh, you know, scared to death of things. He's just, he's just making sure that he's in harmony with God and just walking with God. And, and you know, whatever pace God wants to walk at, it's fine with me. Wherever he wants to go, that's fine with me. I'm not the one that's in control. I just want to, hey, if you want to stroll, I'll stroll. If you want to jog, I'll jog. If you want to walk fast, I'll walk fast. It doesn't matter. You're the one that's in control. And here he is just strolling along with God, kind of like Brother Bram strolling down the mountain after that storm goes out of existence up there in Colorado. Anybody remember that? And he's just kind of walking along. God says, hey, why don't you just walk along with me for a while? Glory to God. And again, Brother Bram says, the last time that name's redeemed, last name's redeemed, put on the book, that settles it, comes to claim what he's redeemed. Might be a strange time. And everybody said, it's a strange time. There's two things that are important to us. Listen to me now. Two things that are very important to us. Number one is his word. Because his word is the thing that God has given to us in advance that not only tells us what is, but what is coming. God is not afraid to prophesy repeatedly and forecast repeatedly about what's coming with details. Are you with me? God's not afraid. Uh, here's Brother Branham. He, he's he's talking. If if you follow, uh, you know, just prophetically, if you just uh, kind of take the prophetic utterances of Brother Branham about things that haven't happened yet, and look at uh, the things that he said that would happen that have already happened. There's hundreds and thousands of places uh, that the Bible uh, describes and that a prophet in this last day described that are going to come to pass in the future. Not in his lifetime, but come to pass in the future. And God's not afraid to do that. You know why? Because God's never wrong. God is always right. His word is always right. So his word is essential. It tells us, it tells us what has been, it tells us what is going on, and it tells us what the future is. His word is vitally important. The word for this day is vitally important. But the second thing is, if God could just give us the book and say, listen, read it, memorize it, fall in love with it, know it front and back, and I'll see you there at the wedding supper. I'll show up at the wedding supper. That would be one thing. But he never says that. He says, I'll be with you even in you. And why is that? To make that word come to pass in the day it's supposed to come to pass. You can't just have the letter of the word, otherwise you're just a scholar or a denominational, just like everybody else. And I don't mean that in a, in a critical way. I'm just saying that there's a lot of good people have a lot of good knowledge about what the good Bible says, but they don't make it, it doesn't work in their life. It's not giving them rapturing faith because they have, don't have the presence of Almighty God in their midst here to quicken that word and make it come to pass. It's got to work. Folks, it's got to work. It's not good enough for you to be in the right church and hear in the right message. You're still not in the right place. You're still not in the right body. you still got to make another step. we still got to go a distance here. And so it's His Word and His presence that really are going to be critical in your life. And that's why you want to learn to stroll with God. You want to schedule your time to make sure you're walking with Him. David says, I will cry unto the Lord Most High, unto God that performeth all things for me. Brother Branham said, Lord, I pray that your presence will always be in the camp of people. Let me introduce you to somebody whose name I don't know. Last night I created a, a little uh, loop, a uh, WhatsApp loop, and I sent it around the world uh, to, to ministers. And I uh, just called it missions. And I put this little testimony that I'm about to tell you here on this, on this loop. Did you get it, Brother Mike? $20, I'll get you on the list there. 
Only joking. That's an oversight. <clears throat> you remember a couple of years ago, I was, uh, came back from East Africa, and I was telling you about the Mangati people. The Mangati people are very, very primitive uh, people, kind of like the Maasai, and they live, uh, you know, in, in remote, remote areas. These are the people who live in caves. Uh, they live in places in the side of the hill and uh, take all their animals in with them overnight because uh, they don't want anybody to steal them. The Mangati people are fierce. They are more fierce than the Maasai people. And I've met, there's actually one of the brothers in, uh, in, the, in the country over there who's a minister, he's an evangelist, and travels around in that part of the country. It's good that he travels in that part of the country because they won't let me travel in that part of the country because if you're not a Mangati people and you stroll into one of their villages, they feel like they have a right to kill you. They feel like that your head is probably worth something for their son to get himself a, a, another girl as a potential wife. And I'm not joking. In order to pass into the right of manhood, you have to do one of three things if you're a Mangati warrior. And this is still today. This is not years ago. This is still today. If you're going to become a Mangati warrior, you have to, when you come of age, and I don't know what that age is, you have to kill either a lion, an elephant, or a, another warrior, another man. And they're all treated the same in their culture. There's no, um, there's no moral imperative that says that you shouldn't take another man's life. None of that. They live by this rule over there. And to kill a lion, an elephant, or a man is a, is a great thing uh, in that part of the world. But once you do it, then you become considered a man and a warrior uh, in their tribe. So they're very fierce people. They don't tolerate outsiders at all. And so this brother who I mentioned, he travels and evangelizes, and he can go right into them and bring a message book and put it in their hands if they can read. And nobody says anything to him because he's a Mangati. He has a right of access to those people because he's a Mangati. And nobody can touch him. So the other day, Brother Elias sent me a picture of this woman. This woman is a Mangati sister. Ten years ago, a brother from Brother Elias's church, one of the missionaries that we support, went through this Mangati area. And he talked about the message in the villages. Little settlements. They're not even, you can't find them on the map. I looked yesterday, I googled, and I know how to google Tanzania. And there's no reference to the place where she's from. I don't even know her name. And uh, she came to the, uh, this little gathering by a tree where this brother came through, and he was talking about in the end time, talking about the Bible, talked about what Jesus was doing in this day, and not, alone, not only that day, but in this day. And he witnessed a little bit about the message and so forth. And this sister happened to be standing back, uh, in, in, the, in the wings, and she listened to this brother, and she embraced it and believed it with all of her heart. The brother who was doing the witnessing never knew this. He was talking to a group of people who were there, and she received the message. This is a note from Brother Elias. These are his words. And she received the message more than 10 years ago. And from then on, she didn't find believers in a church to worship. We met her last Sunday at Endosaki. This is the Endosaki church, just a little group that was there, and Brother Elias was there visiting as a, as a pastor. This church is 50 miles from her village. So she had no, 50 miles is like, uh, you know, going to another country for us because there's no transportation. She would have had to walk uh, to that village. 
He said, it's really hard in the jungles, but she loves the Lord. She can't read, but she believes the message. She has been staying home all of these years by herself, never having met a believer, never knowing what it's like to be in a church like this, never having a Bible or a book or anything at all, unable to read, unable to talk to anyone, or unable to ask questions to anyone. And last weekend, Brother Elias finds her. And she winds up hearing about this little meeting that they're having in Endosaki. And if you go look up Endosaki, you're not going to find that uh, even, because it's just such a little wayward place. Fifty miles away, she shows up and comes into the back of the church. And Elias meets her, and she tells the story. that That's how she came across the message ten years ago. And she's been by herself ever since, never having met a believer. Let me tell you something. You have to ask the question, what would hold a woman like that? What holds a woman like that for ten years? Never having met a believer, not owning a Bible, never having looked at a book, only hearing the testimony of one passing evangelist through their village and then going on. And Brother Elias said the evangelist never came back because he thought there was nobody there who was interested in the message. And his sister holds on to it for ten years. Let me ask you the question. What do you think holds her and preserves her until last weekend when she comes in contact with somebody like Brother Elias in the church there and was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? And now Brother Elias wrote me again and he said, I'm going to visit her home in November. He says, I'm going to get into the little community there with the Mangati. He says, I'm going to go with that evangelist and hopefully they won't kill me and, and I'll go back and I'll be able to visit her in her home. Tell me what keeps a woman 10 years who doesn't know how to read and she doesn't have any communication with believers. Let me tell you, it's not, that's not determination. That's not self-will. That's the presence of God in her life. That's a higher power watching over her that preserves her in his presence until Philip arrives. Remember in the book of Acts? Anybody remember in the book of Acts when here's the, here's the treasure of Ethiopia going home and says, yeah, how can I know unless someone show me? And God brings Philip to him and all of a sudden everything clicks and it comes together. You know what this is? This is the book of Acts all over again. And to me, almost every minister that I've sent this to all over the world, and they wrote back, and one of them said this, may God forgive me for ever complaining about having to go to church in my life. Come to church and somebody's sitting in your pew. (laughs) Ten years, can't read, no fellowship. Nobody understands the way she's thinking. But God's dealing with her heart and her mind. Let me tell you. To me, I don't know how you feel about it, but when I read this and I, I wrote back to Elias several times, I wanted to know the details, tell me what, what happened, tell me how she found the message and so forth. You've got you to gotta wonder, is this God actually looking out for the very last seed that's got to come in? The thought crossed my mind, because when the last one comes in, we go, right? These are kind of like the last of the last. I mean... It's not like she can do a Google search on her phone. 
It's, it's almost hard to believe that people could live in such primitive conditions in our time. But yet they do. And you know what? God knows them that are his. And he knows exactly where they are. And it isn't her discipline that holds her. And it isn't anybody else's prayers that holds her. It's God watching over his elect. And if God's able to watch over her, do you believe that God is able to watch over us as well? And over your family, you young people that are here, let me tell you, God cares about you where you are. God knows exactly what you have need of and what you're going through. And God knows the struggles that you face. And he, he, he knows all the different things that, uh, that you experience in life. I'll tell you what, it just kind of sent chills down my spine when I thought about how, you know, Brother Branham even taught us that God watches over you when you sleep. And so you that are, you know, struggling with job situations or, you know, you got some sort of a habit or a sickness or something that's holding you back. Let me tell you, I just want to say to you this morning, you got to realize you're not the only one looking at you, but God is looking at you as well. I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to discover the rat on your ship. Rat? <clears throat> I didn't understand this principle until really this morning. The word rat and airplanes are associated very closely, and I didn't realize that rat is just an acronym for uh, what's, what's called in the engine of a plane a ram air turbine. It's a little device that's behind the propellers inside the housing of the jet that when the air comes in and the air hits that turbine, it puts it into ram mode, kind of like in a car. It makes it go even faster. And it's called a rat. I was thinking of John Anthony, not because he's a rat, but because of he works with planes and he would understand this. Should I not have said that? Back in England, in the time of um, developing air, air, uh, air power, in World War II they had to escalate everything, building of ships, submarines, air power. Air power made the decisive difference in World War II. Germany was, I mean, they were on bust. They were building planes at an uber pace. And so the British Air Force and the British government decided to invest heavily in making airplanes. They had a, a small bomber, and I don't remember the name or the number of the plane, but it was a small bomber. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. And so <clears throat> when they built this little plane, it held bombs, and it was strategic because it was small and fast. It could dart in and out of places almost undetected, and it could drop bombs in strategic places. And uh, it was a very, uh, going to be a very specialized weapon in the British Air Force. It was a kind of plane, though, that didn't have a whole lot of newer technology, so the pilot had to wear a mask in order to get oxygen when he went up to the, the flying height of the plane, which was not very high. But he wore a mask, and he was the only one in there at the controls. And he had, a mirror, he had mirrors that looked back and inside the plane, dropped the bombs himself and all of that. So this was kind of a primitive thing compared to today, but nonetheless, that's what they were doing. The story is told of a test pilot, and this is a true story of a test pilot who was taking one of those planes out for a test run. He was over the country of England. And when he looked back in his mirror, he saw a rat, a real rat, on the plane. And in the workings of the plane, he was sitting there chewing on the fuel line. I don't know if any of you brothers or sisters have ever found a rat 
near or a mouse near a cable after he chewed through it and he's called toast now. Right? So this pilot, he's looking at this. He can't leave the controls because if he does, nobody's going to fly this plane. There's no autopilot on this thing, so he can't leave the controls. And he's looking at this rat back there chewing through the fuel line. He's far enough away from base that he knows he's not going to make it if the fuel spills out. It's only a small plane. You only get a small amount of fuel, short runs back and forth. So he has to make a decision at that particular point. And what he did was he went higher. Because if he went higher, he would starve that rat of oxygen. He had oxygen on his face. If he went down, he would have saved the rat. If he went up, he would have killed the rat. So he takes the plane, and he just puts it in a spin like this and goes straight up. As far as that plane would go, it goes straight up into the air, and the rat eventually conks out because it doesn't have enough oxygen to live. Let me encourage you, every one of you today, when you discover a rat, and there are rats all around, don't cater to the rat. Go higher. The times we live in demand that we go higher. Because the safest place for us at this particular point is not lower with the world and where the world's going. The safest place for us is to go higher. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit is encouraging us to do. And I, you know, when I look at pictures like this and I see scenes like this and I realize, my goodness, that's just the grace of God that, that has held on to us over all of these years and I believe is holding on to us even in the crazy times that we live in. And I believe that if God did that and God's doing this, God's going to do that up there and hold us even when times get crazier. And you know what? Things get more pressurized the higher that you go. But if you're outfitted to be up there in the first place, it's going to be all right. And if he's got the reins of the ship, it's going to be all right. And you watch all those rats in your life die off. It's not, let me tell you, the, the remedies are not on earth. The remedies are not below. You don't want to cater to those enemies that are there. You want to go higher and higher and allow the Holy Spirit to wipe out all of those things in your life there and still be flying high. Let's stand to our feet. In this great and final exodus, it's going to be one last flight for us. And it'll, we'll be too far to go home. We'll be too close to that place to go back to that place. And to go back is not going to be anything successful or pleasant. I believe to go higher is the only option. And I believe, saints of God, that that's exactly what is in store for the people of God. It's a translation. You need to make sure that you understand your steps are ordered of the Lord. Hey, even Jesus' steps were ordered. Isn't that right? He had to go a certain way, went into a certain town, did a certain thing here. His steps were ordered of the Lord. And if his steps were ordered, I believe that you should believe that your steps also are ordered of the Lord. And God's got a plan for you. And it's not on an elevator. Nobody gets to be on an elevator to get, uh, you know, to a certain place faster than anybody else. We'll all go by the steps. I said we all go by the steps. And there are times when we think, God, you should hurry up and I, you know, I need to get, I need to get out of here quicker. Let me tell you something. I could give, I could give Nathan here. How old are you, Nathan? How much? I could give Nathan the keys to my car and uh, tell him to go to the store, go to Walmart for me here and pick up something. And he'd be like, 
Whoa. And he did wow, that's, Brother Barry, trust me, and I got the car and everything else. But you know what? No offense. He's not really ready for that. He may want it, but he's not really ready. So part of my love to him is to not give him something he may really want. You know what? When he gets his license and he gets a little older, maybe 70, I'd trust you with my car. But it'd be the same car, same road, same Walmart. I mean, Walmart's eternal. It's going to be there, right? Everything would be the same. But he'd be ready for it, and that would be the difference. Sometimes my love to him is shown in saying not yet. Not just yet. You've got steps to walk up first. And there are times when, there are times when his, his sonship is demonstrated by his maturity to accept what the Father says. If he says, well, uh, you know what, I don't care. I'm going to go in there in the office and take the keys. I'm going to go anyway. That would, that would demonstrate another attitude that he would have, right? But if he says, hey, if that's what the Father's decided, you know what, that's good enough for me. I'll stay on this step for a while until the Father says we'll take another step. Because your steps are ordered of the Lord. Your steps are guided by someone other than you. And I say, thank God that our steps are ordered by somebody else. It isn't us, Brother John, that, that, that are deciding uh, when this thing is up. We're not on an elevator. We're all going to go up the steps the same way. Order my steps in your word, dear Lord. Lead me and guide me every day. Send your anointing. Father, I pray, order my steps, yes, order my steps, again, order my steps in your word, dear Lord, lead me and guide me every day, send your anointing, Father, I pray, order my steps, steps in your word. I want to walk worthy according to thy word. Please order my steps, Lord, and I'll do your blessed will. The world is ever changing, but still the same if you'll order my steps I'll praise your name once again now order my steps make it your prayer now sing it as a prayer now this morning Lord order my steps lead me every day send your anointing Father My steps, your word. Yes, order my steps, your Want to walk worthy according to thy word. My steps, Lord, and I'll do your blessed will. The world is ever changed.
these steps are taking us. Do you want to know where we're going to wind up? If the Holy Spirit strikes us the right way, in a time when you probably least expect it, there might be a real upward sweep in the bride of Christ. And one of these days, we're going to be so close to that kingdom, you might actually just break through. (laughs) Glory to God. I love that. Do you want to know where I'm going, where I'm going soon?
Hey, there ain't no rat going to bring us down. We got a higher power. We got a, dis- a discernment that God gives to us. I don't believe that pilot planned to do that. I don't believe that he had that in his mind at all. But he's just realizing, okay, what are my options here? I got very few. Looks like our options are very few. But you know what? At the right time, the right place. The whole idea is to get you from here to the right place. And God knows how to do that. If he's got a, if, if all of a sudden a rat shows up in your rear view mirror, hey, listen, God will use that. If, if, if uh, you know, uh, uh, some sort of a worldwide catastrophe will drive God's people a little higher, God will use that. Because God's completely committed to getting his people to the right place. I said he's totally and absolutely committed to getting his people to the right place. And he's not going to let you or me or some rat stop him. He's got it. I got this. You just need to let your schedule align with his schedule and watch what he does. Glory to God. Oh, I tell you what, I can sing. I could sing all day. I could preach all day. I could pray all day. That's the way I feel. I don't know how you feel about it today. I know some of you are looking at me saying, no, no. Chick-fil-A is where we're going. Every praise is to our God. Oh, every word of worship. One Oh! 
he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. That's our confession. Yes, he is. He's a rat killer. He's my strong man. He's my deliverer. He's my healer today. He's whatever you have need of. He is all of that. He sees you in the journey. He knows your loneliness. He knows your fears. He knows your need for healing today. He knows your past. He sees it all. Can't hide a thing from him. I'll tell you what. He's real today. And he's watching over his people. I think of that sister... Don't even know her name in a village somewhere. Not even big enough to call a village. And here she is believing the message for 10 years. Just kind of looking around. Probably praying to God. And knows a a thimbleful about what you know compared to what you know. And standing there. And all of a sudden, here's a minister shows up on the doorstep. Sister, God bless you. Imagine what that must be like for her to be in a church full of people and they all believe the same thing and they're singing songs of Zion, you know, and talking about a message that's come in the last day. My goodness, can you imagine? I'd like to be there. I'd love to go there. They, they cut my head off, but I'd love to go there and be there. Oh, I'll tell you what. I, just imagine when all those kinds of people get over in the glory and they walk through the door and they see Sister Carol's over there. And, and, and Brother Greg's over there, and all, you know, Brother Larry is over there, and Brother Branham's over there, and all the other people that are gathered over there all went ahead just to, to, to wait on us over there on the other side, and you're over on the other side, and you're thinking, wow, I hesitated for this. In honor of Jaron, these are the days of Elijah.
There's no God like Jehovah. 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 Oh, behold, He comes. And shining like the sun at the trumpet call of Jehovah. It's the year of Jubilee. And out of Zion till salvation comes. There's no God like Jehovah. 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 Oh, behold, He comes now riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet's call. God is good. He's good all the time and all the time. God is good. I'll tell you that. He never fails. Why shouldn't we be happy? Why shouldn't we rejoice? Why shouldn't we clap our hands and lift our voices here? We're the ones who recognize the one true God uh, in our world and in our time. God didn't send this message for everybody. Not that everybody couldn't, but I will tell you something. God sent it because he knew you were here. He knew he had a he knew he had a magnet somewhere in the earth that would latch onto these words and never let them go. You're the reason for this whole season. You're the reason. And I say this, uh, you know, uh, in, in a very simple way, let's be right or be left. Let's be right or be left. Think about that. I want to be right because I don't want to be left. I want to be right so I'm not left. Every, that clear, everybody? Whatever you need to make right, make right. Because you don't want to be left. If you want to be baptized, you want to surrender your heart to Christ, whatever you want to do. If you need to make something right with your, your spouse or your children or your parents or whatever else, or your past, whatever else. Be right so you're not left. Is that all right? Be right so you're not left. God is good all the time. What a heart of God is good all the time. His light will shine. God is good. Oh, God is good all the time. If you're walking through the valley and there are shadows.
you to just take a moment here just to think about this whether you're at fault or not you may have looked in your rearview mirror and seen a rat chewing on something that's going to make a difference in your life I don't know you might be here this morning and you might be thinking I'd love to I'd love to I'd love to get my hands on that rat but I can't leave where I am I can't go anywhere I gotta make a decision here. I've got to do something. You might be here thinking you've got to make a decision. You have, to, you have to act. You have to do something. You might be thinking, I've done everything I know to do. And Lord, I need you to act. I need you to come on the scene. I don't know. But I know this. God is never out of solutions. God is never out of remedies. So I'd like you all to bow your heads if you don't mind. Everybody, just bow your head. And when, when, I, when I pray, and I don't want to pray alone, I want you all to pray with me. As a matter of fact, Brother Mike, if you would just slip up here and offer a word of prayer for us. I, I want you just to be real honest and just say, Lord, I, maybe I need to go a little higher. I just need to go a little higher because I want to starve that thing. I don't want to have that thing ruin my life. And Lord, give me the courage to point upward instead of downward. Maybe that's where you are today. And if you have that need in your heart, something speaking to your heart, just reach out to him now. Just maybe raise your hand or just however you want to do it. But I want you just to appeal to him now. Pray with Brother Mike as he prays. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you before you, Lord, and give you thanks for your grace. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for making us who we are. Thank you for giving us such great, precious promises. Lord, we know you never fail to keep any of your promises. And, Lord, all we have to do to find our rest, to find our joy, to find the strength we need for any battle that we're in, is if we could just look to your promises. And your prophet told us, O oh God, that you're El Shaddai, O oh God. And, Lord, if we'll just lean upon your breast, O oh God, and nurse on those promises, Lord, we'll find the strength, O oh God, to overcome everything that's facing us, no matter where that's in front of us, no matter where that's behind us, O oh God, you've given us the authority and the grace to overcome anything the enemy might bring. Lord, you know the hearts upon the people this morning, Lord. You know the needs of each one of us, O oh God. I myself have needs this morning. Right now, O oh God, I need a touch from you this very hour, O oh God. And, Lord, we're just looking at you, believing 
O God. Not looking to our reasonings, not looking to our merits, O God, not looking to our worthiness, O God. But, Lord, worthy is the Lamb this morning, O God, that died to take away the sins of the world. Lord, we're just looking to you, O God, in action. Lord, may your mercy be great upon us this morning. May your word give us faith, O God, to believe everything that you promised us, O God. Not to doubt any of it, O God, knowing that every word of God is yea and amen. So, Lord, you've called us for the hour, O God, and you've anointed us for this purpose. Lord, may your grace be sufficient that we arise as our brother preached this morning, not looking downward, O God, but may our hearts and eyes rise up higher to look to the one that has all of our help, O God, for our help come from you. May we look to you right now, Lord, rising higher and higher and higher in your spirit by your word, Lord, until we can receive every blessing that you've outpoured in this hour. Bless your people, Lord. May they not one leave this building this morning, O God, without touching the hem of your garment, without feeling in their own soul, O God, that something has changed, that the hearing of the word, O God, Lord, that they don't have to rest upon what they can do, but the work is already finished. Lord, we look to you that way, expecting your grace, O God. We thank you, and we ask these things. O God, in Jesus Christ's name, we ask it. Oh God, may you bless the work here. Continue to bless the ministry, oh God. Bless our brother that's stepping into the office of the deacon, oh God. Lord, bless those that enter the doors, oh God. Come in faithfully, Lord, looking to receive from you, Lord. May they never come disappointed, but leave here knowing, oh God, that they've met the one that they've come to hear from. We thank you, Lord, as we commit these things into your hands. We ask it in Jesus Christ's name. May the church say amen. Amen. Mike. God will make a way. Sister Tracy today. Lord, Brother Julian, I just ask, oh God, that you would be merciful and gracious to them. Lord, I pray that you would undertake on behalf of Sister Erica Reagan. We have brought her before you many times, and now, Lord, I ask you just once more, just to touch them. And the needs of your people that are gathered here, 
Lord, be real. Until we meet, I pray that you'd go with us, Lord. May our peace be real. Father, may your protection be manifest. We love your abundant care. We love your abundant provision. And so we commit ourselves into your hands now. And Lord, I pray in a simple way, just the sister Lord is over in Africa there. I just, I don't even know her name, but Lord, I commit her to you and ask your blessing upon her, Lord. And may she be a great witness among those people of the keeping power of Almighty God. Bless her, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Amen. 10,000 reasons. Let's sing that this morning as we go. We're going to let you go this morning. And may God bless you. Thank you all for being here. And may the Lord bless you. Um, We don't meet this Wednesday in service, but uh, we'll have a broadcast on Wednesday night. We're going to ease back a little bit into Sunday school. We'll let you know about that as we uh, get through the week here. I'm going to open up the fellowship hall for some different uses here and for our our Sunday school, so we'll let you know about those things. But respect our uh, rules and guidelines that we have, and we'll be able to stay open, and that's our goal here. God bless you. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord today, and just trust that the Lord will hold you and keep you like his promise says. God bless you. Bless the Lord, oh my soul.
your seats for just a minute. The deacons wanted me to uh, have them come up and make a quick announcement real quick. You know, people I work with, they say, why do you drive two hours to church? I think today is a perfect example of why we drive two hours to church, why Brother Barry drives two hours to come speak to us. And we all know this month is Pastor Appreciation Month. And unfortunately, we can't have a dinner and things like we like to do, but we can still share our love for Brother Barry and Sister Becky and just tell them how much they mean to us. So I get the privilege this year to say a few words. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not singing. That's what he was worried about when I grabbed the mic. But So as a congregation, I think we can all agree that no one can ever be as dedicated to this church as Brother Barry. Over the years, Brother Barry has done a tremendous amount for all of us. We'll never be able to count how many unsolicited prayers our pastor has said for each and every one of us, especially this year. 2020 has been one rough year from losing so many brothers and sisters to having to shut the church down for a season. But through it all, Brother Barry has held fast and has helped us through this sickness and storms. Brother Barry has kept our fellowship alive through Zoom and other social distancing methods, putting our safety above everything else. I think it takes an extraordinary person to do a Zoom call with two-year-olds and then turn around and also relate to the teenagers. Personally speaking, I know how hard it is to attend church being two hours away. I can only imagine the challenges Brother Barry faces pastoring a church that far away, yet he makes it look easy. He is always available if we need him. Distance is no match for, Brother Barry, for Barry Coffee, and I can testify to this. I have ridden with him plenty of times. Brother Barry not only has a commitment to keeping his congregation fed, but he also has a burden to keep the message going throughout the world with the vision books. None of us truly know the hours he labors in the scriptures and the message books to bring us the messages we need to live in this hour. Brother Barry is a friend, a teacher, a brother, and most importantly, our shepherd. He continually seeks God's will for us. Philippians 2.3 states, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. This verse really exemplifies Brother Barry's character. He's not a dictator or a king, but a true servant, always putting others' needs before his own. This month is Pastor Appreciation Month, but I think we should appreciate our pastor all year round. We're so blessed by God. He's the one who put Brother Barry in our paths, and the reason this church is what it is today. So from the whole congregation, we say thank you, Brother Barry. Thank you for everything. Thank you, Brother David. I think we all can agree with those words. So if you would just stand, let's sing that song as we dismiss this time. Um, Jesus, draw me close. Oh, they apparently have more that I didn't know about. So.
put in the key of F. As you leave, let's just sing this. Jesus, draw me close. Closer, Yeah.